welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everyone, happy Memorial Day! I hope everyone enjoyed that day off, and if you are well into summer, welcome. I hope it's treating you well. My kids are out next week, so I'm in the final phases of preparation for the summer break. But today, in today's interview, we actually talk a lot about preparing our mindset for that type of thing and how perspective is everything. My guest today for episode number 22 is Emily Orton. Emily has lived a very adventurous life. She and her family of seven have lived in 800 square feet apartment in New York City. She has homeschooled her children, and a few years ago, her husband proposed the idea that they take a family sailing trip from the Caribbean to New York, and they had never sailed before. (laughs) She shares about the months and years of preparation leading up to that boat trip, what she learned from that experience, and in general, the intentionality she puts behind how she does her parenting. It's really fascinating. She has a new book out detailing the sailing trip, but you are just gonna love hearing about Emily's family and her motherhood journey. So let's get to my conversation with the incredible Emily Orton. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Emily Orton today. Hi, Emily. Hi, Jessica, nice to be with you. Oh, it's so nice to be with you too. Where do you live right now? Oh, that's a great question. Right now, I'm living in Hawaii, and next month, I'll be living in New Zealand, and after that, I'll maybe go home to New York City. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's a little clue into what we're talking about today. Emily, you have a very fascinating background in everything, and we're going to hear why you have so many different locations coming up and where your family has been over these last several years. Um, You have a new book that is coming out, which I'm so excited to share about. So let's just start at the beginning. For people that may not know you, will you give a little background on yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I grew up mostly on the East Coast, and I got married when I went to college. Um, I had my first baby about three weeks before I graduated with a major in teaching English and a minor in teaching Spanish. But my husband had his degree in music and playwriting. So in 1999, we moved our little family. Then we had a toddler and a newborn to New York City, where he went to work in Broadway on the management side and then also always trying to, you know, get his own projects going, um, his plays or his musicals or producing other people's plays or musicals. So uh, that's where we've primarily been since, you know, for almost 20 years. Um But we had some twists and turns along the way, and we ended up doing, like, this sailing trip. And um, anyway, life is just unfolding in a very different way than we expected. Oh, Oh, I would say, sorry, that we actually, we have five kids, four girls and a boy, and our youngest has Down syndrome. That's sort of like the photograph of our family. Yeah. Okay. So what's the age range of your kids today? There's a 10-year spread, so our youngest is 11 and our oldest is 21. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So amazing. So I'm really curious. What did you envision your family, where you'd live, what kind of pace your life would have? What did you envision before embarking on actually starting your family with your husband? And then 
how did it kind of evolve into a place where you became quite adventurous? Well, I have wanted to be a mom since I was a very little girl, like since before kindergarten. I think I wanted to be the adult. I wanted to be a caregiver. Um, And as I got older, sort of like my vision of like playing house obviously changed and became more realistic. Um, I saw that my mom did some really great things for us. She is a woman of deep conviction. She read to us. Um, She's always learning. And those are things that I wanted to imitate. Um, And on the other hand, she carried a heavy burden of perfectionism that I think took away a lot of her joy, even though she always had good intentions and always tried her best. It just, there was this heaviness that I didn't want to carry into my own parenting. So I never had a certain number of children in mind. I just like, just take it one at a time. I wanted to have, you know, a comfortable, communicative, like connected family. I wanted our home to be a place where we could laugh and also be safe to make mistakes or talk about really serious things. And I think I imagined that it would be in a suburban home with four bedrooms, three bathrooms, a driveway, <laughs> um, a dishwasher, a washing machine, a dryer. Like, I think I just, I didn't really ever write that down anywhere. I just think I assumed that that would, that that would be um, part of it. And it didn't end up like that at all. Um, it had unfolded like every good adventure, just like one day at a time with a lot of unexpected twists. Um, I think when I actually had kids when we when we actually started our family um I was really nervous because even though I'd always wanted to be a mother I I felt like I lacked a lot of the skills and attributes that would be required to be a good mother like have you ever seen Napoleon Dynamite he always Mm -hmm. talks about the skills that girls would like and I would say like I thought kids only wanted moms who had good skills like patience skills affection skills (laughs) organizing skills cooking skills or like even interior design skills for some reason I felt like went along with motherhood yeah and I I may never have those skills you know it's a grow as you go endeavor and you you just can't prepare for some things because you haven't even met those kids yet and then they keep changing so you know you're always having to stay on your toes so for me, the best thing has been able to look back over five years or 10 years and 20 years and say, wow, I'm a lot more patient than I was when I started, or I'm a lot more affectionate or relaxed than I was, you know, when I first started having kids. I think one of the things that I did anticipate was that parenthood would be a partnership. I know it doesn't always turn out that way. There are no guarantees, but I'm so grateful that um, I have a husband who really values motherhood. And I'm so grateful that our strategy of putting marriage first has been working for our family for the last couple of decades. Uh, But some things that are totally different is that we primarily live in a New York City apartment. It's 800 square feet for the seven of us um, when we're all home. No dishwasher, no washing machine, no driveway. I never expected to homeschool. I've been doing that for 13 years. And I didn't expect to have a child with special needs. Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in real quick and thank one of our show sponsors, and that is BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? A while back on episode 125, I talked about why I go to therapy. And in that episode, I debunk a lot of the myths about stereotypes and reasons to go to therapy in the first place. And I am a huge proponent of getting mental health help in the same way you would take care of your physical health. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match 
you with a licensed professional therapist. And no joke, you can start communicating with them in as little as 24 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's Counselor Network, which may not be available locally in your area. One of the biggest reasons I hear from people, and I know for myself personally, that time is the biggest issue. If you wanna go to counseling, you have to A, have the availability and hire a babysitter, and it just seems like too much and it prevents you from getting the legitimate help that you need. But BetterHelp is the solution to this problem. So visit betterhelp.com EMP and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. For Extraordinary Moms podcast listeners, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com EMP. Thanks so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Take this time for yourself and take care of your mental health. Now let's get back to it with Emily. I loved how you mentioned you hadn't even met these kids yet, so how could you possibly know what would be ahead? And I love that idea of... You know, we can we can plan and we can do our part of putting one foot in front of the other, but really how it unfolds, there's so many different factors that come into play of getting us to where we need to go and to become our best selves and to become, you know, what our family was truly meant to be. And so to, to predict that before knowing you'd have a certain number of kids or, you know, certain genders or to have a child with special needs at the end, you could have never predicted how this would have unfolded simply because of the nature of all those different personalities and, and things like that. So I'm curious to know, especially for, for your final child, um, is it a little boy or a little girl? It's a little girl, okay. Lily. Lily. Lily Ocean. So mm-hmm. Lily Ocean, I love that. So did you know that she was going to have Down syndrome before you delivered? Tell me about that experience. No, we didn't know. And in fact, I think I'm probably the only person that I've met who has a child with Down syndrome who didn't get the diagnosis until she was several months old. Several months? And I don't think that's part of... Yeah, I wow. don't think it's out of you know neglect on our part because my children ended up being born really fast and each one was... Um, each delivery was half the time of the previous one. So when my son was born in like less than two hours, I decided for the the next child, we should have somebody come to us. Wow. <laughs> and so I was... Yeah, so I was having a home birth, and um, within that first 24 hours, I started to suspect there was something different and unusual, but the pediatrician, the midwife, the doula, my husband, my mother-in-law, like everybody just said that I, I was being paranoid and worrying too much, and that she was fine and healthy. So um, when she was eight weeks old, my husband took a sabbatical from work, and one of his his musicals was being adapted for TV. So we all went out to be part of that creative process. And when we came back, Lily was actually played the baby in the movie and she was perfect. But when we came back, um, she still wasn't holding her head up and she was four months old. So my pediatrician said, if you're worried, just make an appointment with a geneticist. And that's when we finally found out, you know, what it was that the, the blood test came back that she did have the extra chromosome. So Um, so then we knew, and I think like you've had other moms on your podcast before who have children with down syndrome, particularly. And I think the stories are pretty similar. Like once you get the diagnosis, you grieve this loss of your expectation, what you thought your child would be to some degree, Mm -hmm. you, 
you know, wonder about your own capacity and then you just get educated and you get to work. So that was the same for us. But her diagnosis uh, taught me, I think the biggest thing it taught me was that expectations are sometimes limitations in disguise. And I had been putting those kind of expectations slash limitations on all of my kids. So when it broke open for Lily, she, you know, picked the locks for all of her siblings as well. Like I um, started nurturing them with an eye towards discovery rather than some predetermined outcome or some textbook milestone that I thought they should have achieved by a certain date or age. Um, and we also learned with Lily that curiosity led to jumps in her development. So hmm. that was an insight. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's obviously not just going to be for her, right? When we're curious and we're willing to sort of go a little further, push the envelope a little bit. Um, so those insights changed the way that I parented all of my kids. Wow. I bet you're so grateful for that because not only obviously did it impact Lily and your relationship with her and, and her potential and what you see is possible for her, but what a benefit to your other kids. And I hear from a lot of people that receive a diagnosis that sounds very scary up front and they think, what is this going to do? Not only just for my child, but for our family unit and for the siblings and what are they going to have to sacrifice, you know, because of this and things. But when you hear about advantages and lessons that are life-altering in the most beautiful way, you think, who's who's really losing and who's really winning in this situation when I hear it like that? Oh, yeah. No, it's been incredible for all the kids. And, and like we taking that approach that's more of like, let's see what you can do and less of like, why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z yet? Mm. That's been a huge relief and like a liberation for everyone. And I mean, I started asking them questions, things like to help me figure out at you, um, to help me figure out like what direction they each wanted to move in their own life, try to help them gradually move into the role of being in charge of their, their own life, you know, running their own lives. Mm -hmm. And we came up with a list of fun questions that we'll just pull out periodically, like what are you interested in or curious about right now? Never like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Other people can ask those questions, but I'm not putting those kind of parameters on them. Um, what do you want more of in your life? What do you want less of? If you knew you would succeed, what would you do? Um, if you, even if you knew you would fail, what would you like to try? Um, if you, this is one of my favorite ones. If you had a room all to yourself, because all my kids share a room, <laughs> They're yeah. the same room. Um, if you had a room all to yourself, what would you put in it? And they start telling me the things they would want. It gives <laughs> me clues about what they care about. Um, or if you could instantly download any skills into your brain, like they did in the, the movie The Matrix, mm -hmm. what would they be? And when you think about living on your own, what are you looking forward to? And what are you nervous about? Just all that stuff really helps as we try to move them in that direction or help them move in that direction. Cause we just care a lot more about what direction they're facing and what habits they're forming than about an outcome at a certain time. You know, although when they are older, we do start talking about managing their time, setting deadlines and, you know, but those, those curiosity interest questions never fade out. And that's been, I think really thanks to Lily. I mean, She's she's the star of our family. Everybody knows it. And I think one of the cute things is uh, her little brother and sometimes even the sister just older than her sometimes are a little nervous in new social settings or meeting new people. And they'll just send Lily in first. <laughs> hey, Lily, you go in. 
you say hello to everybody and make friends and then we'll come in and be like, I'm Lily's sister. <laughs> right. I'm cool by association. Like, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> those are yeah. brilliant questions. How did you come up with those questions? Uh, it, they've been coming over years. The okay. first was more or less. What do you want more or less than? And, okay. you know, just kind of grow from there as I try to figure out, like, how can I really get at what they're interested in? Yeah. Do you it. do you have that list somewhere where I can put it in the show notes or something? I can definitely okay. send it to you. I yeah. would love sure. that. Those are fantastic questions. And as we're approaching summer, we're recording this just before school gets out for my kids. I've been thinking a lot about how sometimes we feel like we should structure summer in terms of like, now we have more time for them to work on their handwriting and work on reading a hundred books and like all these things. But I've been thinking, what if we thought about this is the summer where we can get a little closer to who we want to be. And yes, that's a pursuit we should, you know, year round be working on. But to have this extra time and flexibility where it's like, what are the things you can do day to day? And they, they're going to come up with these things. We're going to have a family meeting about it and say, what are the things that you really would add a lot to your life? What do you want to do more or less of? I love that question. And they that can drive, you know, character building type things more than just what they're accomplishing who are they becoming in doing that thing? Because that's really what matters most, isn't it? I think so. And I think yeah. it's so empowering what you're talking about, gathering up your children and saying, we have this precious resource, this time, this flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, what What do you want to do with it? And when you take their opinion into consideration, that makes them feel like they're valuable and their opinion matters and they have some control over their own destiny. I think it. I think that does build character. Right. And even if it's just, I still have little kids, nine, seven, and three. And what if instead of saying, okay, you need to make your bed every day, I said, this summer, you're going to become a master bed maker. And instead of just cleaning, you know, putting the dishes in the dishwasher or in the sink, saying you're going to become a top-notch dishwasher, like a restaurateur dishwasher, you know? (laughs) What if we just even changed the framing of how we're presenting that to them? You know, because when it's like, clean your room... Like, I don't want somebody to tell me just clean my room. But what if it was like, make your room feel like a hotel? Like, what would that look like? Or thing? I don't know. Just kind of play around with the presentation of these fundamentals. I think it makes a huge difference. Um, like, just speaking of dishwashing, one of the things we did in our house when it came to basic chores is my husband established these apprenticeships okay. where he would do the job alongside them until they were capable of doing it on their own so being able to do it on their own was this this sign of progress like this graduation once they could wash and stack the dishes in the drainer by themselves that was something we could all celebrate and then we knew they could be independent at it but it was something we worked on together until they were comfortable with it and other times like once they were comfortable with it it can still be really tedious so I only did this a few times when my kids were little I don't know if you've ever heard of Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, mm-hmm. she's these, uh, yes. this amazing neighbor in these children's books, and she always comes up with creative ways for helping kids be inspired to do, you know, what's best for them, <laughs> and um, so one of the things that I did, I stole from that book, and while they were doing their chores, I would just dress up like a witch, and then I would come <laughs> in and inspect and like they, I was going like, to haul them off if it wasn't <laughs> perfect. And um, anyway, so they 
they never knew when that was actually going to happen. And I, I think I really only did it like three times in their whole life, but it has stuck, stuck yeah. out with them and it inspired them to like do their best, check the table surface, you know, be, before they, um, you know, put the yeah. rags away and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I do like think that. the presentation can make a big difference. I mean, I think for everybody, certainly Agreed. for young kids, but we all like a little delight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to think more on that and how I can incorporate that more in my home this summer, but that, that is a mission that I'm going to try and be intentional about that. Okay. Emily, yes. your husband, how long ago came to you with what most would seem like an absolutely crazy idea, a the farthest departure from the life you were living in your 800 square foot New York apartment with your family of seven, he came to you with what idea? How long ago was this? And what did he say? Okay. In 2007. Okay. Actually we had maybe crossed into 2008. Um, it was shortly after Lily was born and after she had received her diagnosis and after we had made this movie, um, he, said that he it just started small, pretty innocuous. He said he wanted to learn how to sail. And I was like, great, you should do that. Go <laughs> take a class, you know. And I was actually really excited for him. I mean, he was working nights. Um, he was serving in our church on weekends. And he was just really busy. And I, I wanted him to be able to do something he felt excited about. But um, because he worked nights, they didn't have any normal classes. He would actually have to get four people together before they would – come up with a, a, an instructor and a class time for him. So nobody wanted to take the class. I feel like it was like the little red hen that nobody wanted to take this class with him. Um, so he asked me and our 11-year-old and our 9-year-old to take the sailing class, and I really didn't want to because I was scared of deep water. Um, the movie Jaws came on TV <laughs> in 1979, and I was four years old. I only saw the commercials, and that was enough for the rest of my life yeah. to scare me of deep water, even in a swimming pool. But he said, look, you don't have to uh, get into the water. You're going to go in a boat. That's why you have to learn how to sail. So you don't have to go in the water. So like, okay. So we, we, we show up for people we love. We do things beyond what we think we can do. <laughs> and that's what happened. And the kids loved it. They learned a lot. Um, we all learned the basics and we all learned that we get seasick. Um, so we tried a lot of techniques to, to mitigate that usually without much luck after the, the class was over, he just wanted to see if we could really do it without an instructor. And these are just little 20 foot boats, no motor, just a main sail and a tiny little sail up front called a jib. And so he found this place in New Jersey where we could rent it and we took the whole family out. At this point we had an 11 year old, a nine year old, a six year old, a two-year-old, and I think Lily was about eight months old. She was still nursing, and I just remember trying to nurse her through two life jackets and the boat's tipping, and the kids are screaming, and Eric's yelling because he's not a very um, good captain yet, right? Like He's still trying to figure out how to anticipate and then tell them in a calm way, and it's, why didn't you pull that rope? Well, I thought she was going to pull it. Well, it's still stuck in the way, you know, and <laughs> – and to, I know, right? And to make it worse, like there were a lot of other people out there on the river who <laughs> owned their own boats and they were pointing at us and they were laughing at us. And I just thought that was the end of it. Like nobody fell no. out of the boat, but otherwise it was a disaster, basically. Yeah, not quite the picture so, he probably had in his mind of a family <laughs> sailing day. Right. 
No, I love how he always talks about, oh, there were these boats on the Hudson River, and I just thought about how peaceful and beautiful they were. I'm like, oh my gosh, there is nothing peaceful about sailing. And then here come the Ortons, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he learned a lot there. But, um, so he took for, then this is where the little red hen part comes in, because once he had the certification, his friends were more than happy to go out and split the cost of renting a boat. So he, he spent a couple of, um, seasons taking friends out and this was great because he kept his skills up but um didn't cost anything we always had to be very creative financially um and then you know I think he he missed being out there with us you know he wanted to be with us and he one day said to me um Emily I think I think the seven of us on a sailboat would be enough universe for me Hmm. Uh, uh. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) sounds sounds pretty romantic and I had so many questions but I just decided like save those for later I think if an idea is not a good idea like it will fall apart on its own without me having to shoot it down I don't like to play that role Hmm. um so I just asked like when would you want to go and he said before our oldest Karina would leave for college she was 14 so that meant we would have to be back within five years and that was the first time that we had an articulated goal that was shared to sail for a year as a family so what would you do if your husband came to you and said let's go on a sailing trip after that debacle on the hudson right (laughs) man i am so excited to continue on with our conversation with emily but i wanted to thank one more show sponsor and that is bloom do you know what's in your deodorant I didn't really know for a very long time. I just pick up whatever's at the drugstore on sale. Then I looked up what was in my deodorant. Most deodorants we use every day contain aluminum, parabens, and other harmful products that have been proven to link to cancer. But Hug Me deodorant by Bloom is all natural, safe, and sustainable. And it works. Bloom, our sponsor today, cares about what we put in our bodies, and we should care too. So Hug Me deodorant by Bloom, that's B-L-U-M-E, made with probiotics. The probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria, and as a result, your body produces less bad bacteria. So BO doesn't exist. You guys, my third grader is already starting to stink. Is that normal? (laughs) I'm going to give him this hug me deodorant. So mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum, like I said, which gets absorbed into our bloodstream and has been linked to cancer. That is simply not okay with me. Hug Me Deodorant has also been rated the best deodorant ever by New York Post, and they want to give you a great deal. Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling good, feeling fresh, and super huggable. And right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you text EMP to 797979. This is a special offer that you can't get anywhere else, and you support Extraordinary Moms when you support our sponsors. So text EMP to 797979 to get 25% off your first stick of Hug Me deodorant, and if you don't love it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. So text letters EMP to 797979. I've been loving my Hug Me deodorant, and their packaging is so cute. So if you have a teenage girl, perfect thing to give her as a way of saying it's time welcome to becoming a woman (laughs) thanks so much to bloom for sponsoring the show now let's keep going oh man the i think mindset was the the first okay the first thing to prep 
So um, we watched a lot of videos of other families who were out sailing to sort of expand our vision of what was possible. And it like the more we saw, the more we really liked what we saw. Uh, we joined this little sailing club where we could take out those same tiny boats for as, as much as we want during sailing season for about $100 a month. Okay. You had to pay every month of the year, but, you know, they spread it out so it didn't feel yeah. like too much. And uh, we we did that, and we started going out three or four times a month. And when we were out there together, we didn't have good sales cell service. We would look each other in the eyes. We would stomp our feet and sing really loudly, which we c- couldn't do in our <laughs> apartment. And we just really enjoyed that time together it was always a huge pain getting there and a huge pain getting back. I mean, you know how it is just going anywhere with kids. They want to stop and look at the cat. They want to poke at this chain. They want to, you know, it's, but it was worth it for those couple of hours that we would spend together. And then I think what took the most time was, uh, Eric and I needed to really up our skills. We, we had to save up and we had to take a couple of classes. We, we went for a week and took two courses back to back um, in the British Virgin Islands, hmm. and um, we we went out on a practice run with friends. We went on a practice run with our kids. We figured we should give them at least two nights on a sailboat before we moved them aboard. <laughs> <laughs> that that was all they got. Um, and then there was like the boat hunting part, which took a long time. I feel like there's this whole phase of our life that could be labeled boat of the day. Uh huh. Um, so I think we took all the time preparing. I don't think it had to take four years, but I think we were really scared. Wow. <laughs> um, we were worried about safety and health and school and finances. The kids were mostly worried about their friends and the internet. Um, we were scared about like what other people would think or having a gap in the resume. Um, but we... We decided that instead of using our kids as an excuse not to go, they would be our motivation to do something like this, to build these memories together, to show them how you make a big dream happen or a big idea happen, even if it takes a long time to get there and and has a a million steps. Um, We went and visited all the doctors, the dentists. I packed a monster first aid kit. We put some stuff in storage, got our apartment ready for someone else to live in and, and just packed what we were thought we were going to need. And yeah, that's wow. that we ended up taking the full four years to do that. Okay. So that took four years. And um, what I love about what you're saying is that all of the reservations and fears and things that you mentioned are like very normal. So it's not mm-hmm. like, Oh, the Orton's, they just do amazing things and they're just so adventurous and they just are fearless and things like, you worked, you had those fears and you did it anyway. You said, okay, financially, this is what it needs to look like. And then you took steps forward to solving that issue. And then, okay, my kids are seasick. Let's try this. Let's try that. Like, I can't even fathom after that first day ever getting back on a boat, but you did. And that's what I think is so amazing about you guys is that you didn't let those initial fears or experiences or that vision of that first time where everyone's pointing and laughing stop you from accomplishing what you've done and it's changed everything so four years later you set off and so what was your path and how long did you expect it to take and what was your vantage point at that point well we uh ended up buying a catamaran 
that was an ex charter boat. So that's basically like buying a used car from a rental company. <laughs> and <laughs> there's pros and cons with that. And um, we flew to St. Martin and we got on this catamaran. And a catamaran is a sailboat that has two holes, two pontoons that are connected in the middle. So we moved from an 800 square foot apartment with two bedrooms and one bathroom into this 38 by 21 foot sailboat that had four cabins and two bathrooms. <laughs> and so even though it was smaller, like the, the setup um, was really nice for people being able to have a little bit of a little bit of privacy on the boat. And uh, we just thought that we would stay there for a couple of weeks, maybe get some solar panels, put in a water maker and um, buy some groceries and pillows, you know, stuff that we didn't bring on the airplane with us. And that is not what it looked like at all. <laughs> we had been prepping for months before we got there. And then when we arrived, it was just more prepping. And we were like, we cannot afford solar panels. And maybe we can do without a water maker. Things were just so much more expensive than we thought. And in the beginning, I think we had what was called what we like to call dreamers remorse like we got exactly <laughs> what we wanted <laughs> and we were not happy Bob we just wanted to we would see these airplanes flying over and we just wanted to get on those airplanes and fly home because it wasn't working out the way that we thought it was going to work out but yeah. we have this family practice and this is actually something that the day Eric proposed to me we sat down and made a list of things we would always have control over no matter what else was going on in our life and one of the main things on that list was gratitude. So mm -hmm. we decided to see if it would work, even in this, what felt like this very dramatic situation for our family where we were getting seasick. We felt like we were going to run out of money way too fast. Uh, our, our boat didn't seem like it was safe to go around with the family. We needed an engine for docking and, you know, things like that anchoring. So we were feeling pretty glum, but we we went around the whole family and we talked about like what was awesome about today, what's going right, what are you grateful for? And it's amazing how that can just give you a little breath, a little space. It doesn't make those things go away. It's not a Pollyanna wishful thinking, but it did let us just like regroup, think more clearly about what plan we wanted to make next. And gave us, I think gratitude builds emotional stamina. I really think it just gave us the emotional stamina to keep going. So we just kept practicing gratitude. And, you know, there was so much to be grateful for. I mean, if you're going to be stuck somewhere, why not a Caribbean island, you know? And if you're going to have to wash your laundry by hand, at least it's something that you can do all together as a family. And we met so many friends on land, um, in the sailing community, and at church, I, I think that's actually a surprise travel tip. This is not a travel podcast, but surprise travel tip, whether you're religious or not. Uh -huh. If you go to a local church, you will meet nice locals and they can give you tips about what to eat, where to go, <laughs> how to help. <laughs> like, I just think go to church. It's, it's always um, had huge dividends <laughs> for us right. in our travel experience. So finding community, even mm -hmm. in a new community. And even knowing, yeah. okay, this is temporary, still investing in that community and making those connections. Yeah, that can be really meaningful. 
Well, I think one way to think about it is like, I'm only going to build a community if I think I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah. And, and there's another way of thinking about it as we're not going to be here very long. So if we want to meet anybody, we have to get on that. And as we became, um, as we lived aboard, that's much more the mentality. You never know how long the boat with kids next door is going to be there. If it's one night or two weeks and when they're going to head out again. And so if we would, you know, see a boat with kids, we would get right up on the the VHF, which is kind of like a walkie talkie and, Mm -hmm. and hail them and be like, Hey, you want to (laughs) come over for brownies? You want to get together? We don't know how long you'll be here. So we have to, to make friends right now. So yeah, there's two two ways of looking at that. Yeah, for sure. And so you document all of this in your new book, Seven at Sea, by you and your husband, and you alternate your perspectives in the book. When did you write this book? Oh, we had no plan at all of writing a book when we left on this trip, but yeah. we're both lifelong journal keepers, so that really helped. And also we have five kids and all their different memories. Mm-hmm really help. We tap them a lot. Uh, when we got home from Fezziwig, we had a really dramatic, um, sinking experience right before we got home. And I was feeling all kinds of exposed and vulnerable. And, um, we had depleted most of our, um, funds. And so we spent that first 18 months to two years, just basically trying to, um, reestablish ourselves, like rebuild our, um, savings and you know reintegrate into the community there and and things were going along great but people kept asking like well when is the book coming out you know we we spoke at a friend's lecture series and that was fun but we were really surprised that this idea persisted and I told Eric I I'd actually be happy to work on a project like this with you I know it's a big thing but I think it would be fun to do it together and at the very least you know our children and grandchildren would have Mm-hmm. this and it would be I think I would love to share with them how their grandparents failed and persisted you know? <laughs> and so um he was like no no I'll write it after the first month he was talking to someone in the publishing industry and she said you know most people who buy books are women and they are going to want to know what was his wife thinking <laughs> <laughs> he revisited the idea about working together and he slept up on it and the next day he asked me if I wanted to join the project and I was fine either way I had plenty to do homeschooling our kids you know I was I didn't actually need a project but I felt strongly about this one and I was happy to be a part of it and um I think that writing this book together was harder than living on a sailboat together and it took like (laughs) twice as long um we finished the first draft from when we started together to finishing the first draft, which I think was like 650 pages. It took us three months. And then it was all about revisions, getting an agent, getting a publisher, revisions, revisions, revisions. Yeah. <laughs> revisions. Um, um, I'm very satisfied with how it turned out. It was, mm-hmm. Like, I guess mostly in our marriage, I'm very grateful for the results and how it brought us closer together and upped our communication skills and increased our empathy for each other and our respect for each other. And I, I feel pretty good about the book as well. We made a decision to be candid because we thought that's what would be most, well, most interesting, but most helpful mm-hmm. to readers. And, um, so that, that was a risk, but we're feeling good about the response that people are saying. Yeah. They appreciate I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have, 
um, read bits and pieces of it in preparation <clears throat> for this interview, and I'm so excited. It's been on my nightstand to save it for summer and just be able to dive in. And that's why we're not going so into the nitty gritty of the actual trip, because I want people to read it. I want people to see both from both of your perspectives what it was really like enduring all of this. Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in one last time and thank our final show sponsor, and that is Swanky Badger. Father's Day is around the corner, and if you're scrambling like me for last-minute gifts, I cannot recommend Swanky Badger enough. SwankyBadger.com provides the most personalized, amazing gifts for all the guys in your life. In fact, my brother's getting married in July. We're so excited, and he just purchased all of his groomsmen gifts through Swanky Badger. They have these really great wooden watches that you can personalize on the back. They are so fantastic, such great quality. And so he ordered those for his groomsmen. And when they arrived so quickly, he was thrilled with the process. So the process is super easy. Like I said, you choose the gift you want, type in the message you'd like engraved on there, and then it lands on your doorstep fully customized in just a few days. Swanky Badger gifts are great for guys in the military, guys who travel for work, the dads in your life, your husband and groomsmen. I urge you, check out Swanky Badger as a unique place for these types of gifts. So you can go create your own personalized Father's Day gift today by going to swankybadger.com forward slash EMP and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's swankybadger.com slash EMP and make sure to check out the video of all those guys crying. It's honestly the sweetest thing you'll ever see. Swankybadger.com slash EMP. Thank you Swanky Badger for sponsoring the show. As you were kind of rebuilding post the trip, did you ever think, because it was such kind of an upward climb of rebuilding financially and trying to figure out what to do for jobs next and things like that, did you ever think we shouldn't have done that? Like look at the place, like it's almost harder now rebuilding than it was just to like continue with the status quo. Was there ever any type of regret with that? Never, never, yeah. never. And in fact, before we left, we said like, what's the worst thing that could happen, you know, aside from being lost at death, like yeah. death or, you know, <laughs> yeah. injury, whatever. What's the worst that could happen? And um, we felt that if this trip financially ruined us for the rest of our lives and we had to like live out of our parents' basement, that it was worth it to us. We didn't think that scenario was likely, but we felt like the dividends in good memories and strengthened relationship with our kids would always increase in value over time and no stock can give you that guarantee. So we decided that that's what was most important to us and we went for it. And surprisingly, when we came back, that um, that scary gap in Eric's resume turned out to be a huge benefit. In fact, he was getting calls from headhunters because they were like, this is a guy who does stuff. He's doing what he says he's going to do. Like This is the kind of person that we want on our team. Mm. And living on a sailboat opened his mind up to ways of seeing seeing himself in different roles so for example he had always worked in theater he always wanted to be creative in broadway and the, and the theater world and living on a sailboat helped him see that maybe he could try something else and so he had an opportunity to at the age of 40 because we turned 40 on the sailboat at the age of 40 he took a hundred percent door-to-door commission sales job in the dead of winter selling solar panels. It's wow. kind of hard to sell people <laughs> solar panels in the dead of winter. Uh, yeah. Um, and it turned out he was actually really good at it, and he got promoted very quickly. He was 
very organized and he's, I think he's just really charming and, and he is a man of integrity and I think people could feel that and they trusted him and to guide them through the multi-month process. And he ended up in like, I think it was less than 18 months before they had him running his opening and running his own office. And at the same time, one of his friends was on the board of a really like America's oldest summer theater and they needed an artistic director to step in at the last minute. And he, he stepped up and he ended up running that solar office in New York and running a summer playhouse, producing six shows, doing the contracts, the hiring rehearsals in New York, greeting patrons, working with the board, like all of that at the same time at this theater in Massachusetts. And I nearly like it was destroying his health. Um, and that's part of the reason that when he quit, he just he just quit everything to write the book. And he reclaimed his health and dropped 40 pounds and went to climb El Cap. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't want to spend all my time doing this. That's not what my time is for. It's a just exchange for for money. I want to do other things with my time. So, yeah, yeah what I'm hearing. Well, two things. A theme that keeps coming up with you is your family commitment to deciding things ahead of time and deciding mental mentally what you can control, like what are we going to do, how are we going to think about this. And making that decision ahead of time has served you so, so well. And, and we do have control over you know what we're going to think about things and how we're going to respond to things. The circumstances, like you said, things did not unfold as you thought it would be when you had dreamer's remorse and you're like, this is everything we ever wanted. Are we sure about this? Like, what is going on? But because you had decided ahead of time, you probably never hit that rock bottom that people that don't decide to just keep going, that they would. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I think I think we think about decisions. I mean, the word decide, it has that root word for kill, right? Mm. Side fratricide, homicide. Mm. And we know that making the decision is the hardest part. Then execution is actually pretty easy. Mm. You want to quit your job. You just send an email that says, I will, this will be my last day. It's been great working with you. Send. That's not hard to write an email and send it. It's making the decision and being ready to face the consequences that come afterwards. So yeah, we spend a lot of time in the decision process and then we just try to work the plan (laughs) you know but making adjustments constantly revisiting and if it's not working and making a decision for sure right but yeah I think we spend a lot of time in the mindset realm right but simply making the decision doesn't mean you then cling really tightly to achieving the certain outcome it's just simply a matter of taking the next step and doing the next right thing Right. And then that will educate you on the next thing and deciding to keep putting one foot in front of the other based upon the new data that you're gathering. I think that's really healthy. Mm -hmm. No, no dramatic steps. All small steps. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what a lot of us are missing. They think it's the big leaps that get us where to what we want to go to. It's not. and, And we sometimes are so paralyzed in our analysis and we're so deterred by the small steps that we don't really want to do because we think it doesn't really matter that keeps us from achieving and doing the big things that are so impactful and life-changing in your life and you guys are just evidence of that I love it I love it well, I this think is you're like right. it does take it does take those small steps it takes being willing to see yourself moving forward like for example 
Um, a friend of mine was trying to find a way to earn money from home and she has computer skills. So I sent her a website, like on this website, you can learn for free how to become a programmer and make 50,000 plus a year from home after their, and they, and they don't get paid until you start earning and they get a percentage. And it was like this good Mm -hmm. deal. And a couple of weeks later we checked in to see, you know, what she thought of it. And she was like, well, I didn't think that the computer I had would fit their parameters. So I never even clicked on the link. Yep. Yep. And I was like, please just go see. Yeah. Just try <laughs> Just scout it. it out. If you don't have to do it, but at least find out maybe your computer would work with that. Like just don't disqualify yourself at the small entry level yes. place. Just oh, go see. <laughs> I love it. Oh, this is just so good. I could just I just have a billion more questions, but I know we gotta respect your time and everything, but perhaps you'll just have to come back. But I am <laughs> curious now. So the book it's, it's out, right? Is this a pre-copy that I have or is it out in the world? Yes. Um, it came out in the second week of March. Okay. So oh. we're still in the early stages, um, but yeah. it's, people are reading it and I kind of wake up with low-grade nausea every day just knowing it's out oh, there. Like, yes, yes. Vulnerability <laughs> hangover. Ugh, man, yeah, but yeah. It's, just, it's just so wonderful though and it is true. Even if it were just for you, what a gift to your family and your grandkids and their grandkids and I mean it's just a legacy that will continue on because they have this written document I just think it's amazing so just real quick are you so you're living in Hawaii right now so so since you know things kind of leveled out and you've written the book and things are you just doing little short stints places or like what's your plan going forward (laughs) oh my gosh so right now you can usually find us wherever curiosity and opportunity intersect we were not expecting that it was going to turn out this way but um, after we wrote the book, uh, our friends, some friends that we met in the Caribbean had moved to the Mediterranean, um, had started a business there. They had a, a different boat. They were renting a house in Portugal, and they have this van that they drive all around Europe with. And they figured out how to be digital nomads so mm-hmm. they can earn from anywhere. That was a that was a, one of the things that we did not figure out when we mm-hmm. when we started sailing. But... They invited us to come sail with them, which we thought would be awesome. We thought we'd spend four weeks maybe on their boat with them and their kids in the Mediterranean. And what a great deal. And then they said, you know, we have this van and we'd love for you to drive it from Athens to Portugal for us. And then you can kind of go wherever you want because we have, you know, there's several weeks, a couple of months, if you like, to to drive the van. And we're like, wow, that actually sounds... <laughs> I want to know these people. How do we get hooked up with these right? people? <laughs> you, can, you will meet them in the book. And I find it's really interesting that once you get out there and you start doing things like this, you meet other people who are doing it. And then it's that's just how it happens. But um, so, we, so we went for that purpose. And we ended up... We started in Finland where my husband is 50% Finnish and all him and the kids have citizenship there through his mother. Hmm. And we, you know, we stayed free in his grandmother's apartment. She had just passed away right before we got there. We were hoping to catch her, but we went to her grave and we visited relatives and I got to see where he spent his summers growing up. And then we flew to Athens and we spent nine days in Greece with our friends. And then we um, sailed their boat to Sicily and then up to the um, Southern Italy, just kind of at the bottom of the Amalfi coast and then we hung out at, we just kept the boat at a marina while the friends went um, 
back to the U.S. for some doctor's appointments, and we were babysitting, and then we kind of took the van from there. We all went to Rome together, and then we split up, and we started traveling different countries, and we ended up in Portugal mostly because my uh, visa ran out. U.S. citizens can only stay, you know, 90 days in the EU, so I got an extension for Portugal, and Eric and Eli kept traveling. Okay, this is getting to be a long, boring story, <laughs> just a travel log, but the point is we ended up spending about five months in Europe, and then we said, you know, we had to come home. Well, we chose to come home. We could have just blown off the book, but after putting that much effort in, we wanted to be around for the launch, uh-huh, so uh-huh. we came home. We launched the book. That was crazy, Going, doing TV interviews and flying all around and speaking things and a whole new, yes. whole new world, <laughs> and our kids were so great about that. They never wanted to get up at you know five a.m. to make it to a TV studio and get makeup. <laughs> hey, you're going on TV. What? <laughs> and then while we were in Portugal, we got this message from some friends who live in Hawaii, and they said, "Could you house sit for us for eight weeks? We have um, a military assignment elsewhere, and we want someone to take care of our dog and plants." And we were like. Yes. Oh, we my will gosh. Do that. <laughs> and then since we've been here, we thought we were just going to go home. We just thought, okay, we'll go to Hawaii, and then we'll go back home, and things will go back to normal. But it's so cheap to get to New Zealand from Hawaii, especially in the off-season because it's winter there. And we went on this website called House Sitters New Zealand or something, and we found a job there. Uh, where we can just take care of someone's house. They're two horses, they're eight sheep and a dog. So we can, you know, pay for the flights, live there, you know, for nothing and just buy groceries. We'll figure out a car. So this is it. We'll figure it out as we go. This is what we know. Like we ask these questions, what could go right? And so many times more things go right than wrong. Unexpected stuff goes right. And then we also just think, like, we'll figure it out as we go. So we have the tickets there. We have a place to stay. And we're probably just going to buy a car and then sell it when we leave. So Emily, you are blowing my mind. I, like, both of them, like, <laughs> sweating for you. And I want to be adopted by your family. I have both sentiments. <laughs> Sometimes I think, oh, nobody will want to be in our family because we're actually, like, so crazy and we live on, like, I make my kids eat black beans and salsa at rest stops and we don't buy, we just, like, do everything on such a tight budget um, and try to be so creative and they're always like, wait, I thought we were going home. (laughs) (laughs) But this one we let the kids decide because my son, Eli, hates, son, he hates salt water he hates sand and he's been here in Hawaii with us for the last seven weeks and so we're like hey you get to decide should we just go home or do you want to go to New Zealand first and he's like rainy broody cold weather let's go to New Zealand so (laughs) (laughs) I love it I mean it's definitely unique and like in all things there's pros and cons and our kids my kids being in a normal suburban home and walking to school every day and everything like that they still complain too it's like yeah, there's just true. there's there's true. no winning all the time, but think of the value that you're adding to their life through these rich experiences. I mean, I just think it's amazing. And if ever our kids are complaining, it's not because we're doing the wrong thing. It's it's just because they're kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I really like that you say that there's pros and cons because there there are definitely cons to this lifestyle and and there are some incredible pros to to staying in one place and being part of an ongoing growing community and I just 
I feel like any way that you're being a mom, you are an adventurer. Yeah, that is <laughs> the, so having true. Having a family is a grand adventure, and I never want anybody to feel like their their plan of like building their dream home and raising their kids in the same place from kindergarten to high school. It's just different. Yeah, we don't all have to do the same thing, and we can all still be great families. Yeah. And then also being willing to just take that next right small step towards something that could mean a lot to you and could really change things for you. And if, you know, I think any movement in the direction that you're wanting to go is great. Even if you feel like you're not moving fast enough, it still will, will give you more information about what's the next right thing. Ugh, oh, I yeah. love it. Forget about speed. <laughs> yes, forget about speed. Well, I just hope everyone will pick up your book, Seven at Sea. We're linking over um, to the book on how to purchase in the show notes. And then if you'll send me over those questions, those amazing questions you ask your kids, I would love that to include that as well. This has just been such a great conversation, Emily. I always ask my guests one final question, and it's the basis of the whole podcast. I think there's things about each of us that make us truly extraordinary, and often it's, it's the very things that don't appear on a resume and that we kind of just deem just us. But really, when we can acknowledge how valuable these traits about us are, the more we can contribute, the more we can believe in ourselves, and the more we can just believe we're truly extraordinary as we are. So I want to know for you, Emily, what makes you extraordinary? Well, Jessica, I totally agree with you that every person is extraordinary. And one thing that I like about myself is that I'm always learning, whether that means I'm willing to fail as I learn a new skill or try a new thing or recognizing that I need to apologize. I'm, I'm willing to change my mind and I, I'm willing to fail forward. So that, that's what I like about myself. Yeah, I love that. Emily, this has just been such a fantastic conversation. I'm so excited for everyone to hear it and hear about your family, and I hope they will go read your book this summer. Me too, and write a review. Yes, yes. That is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Review the podcast and then go write a review for 7 at Sea. This is perfect. Yay. Thanks, Emily. Enjoy the rest of your time in Hawaii and New Zealand. Thanks, Jessica. Have a great summer. Is that a fun conversation or what? I want to live vicariously through their family while staying safely in my own little suburban neighborhood. (laughs) But I love hearing about families and individuals who live differently than I do. It really expands my worldview and my willingness to kind of explore opportunities that are presented in my sphere and in my world. And it may not look like sailing you know, for months and months and months, but it may be a small steps outside of my comfort zone that can lead to amazing new opportunities. So I challenge you to look for those new opportunities to adventure and expand your horizons just like the Ortons. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist 3 or on Facebook at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Links to how to buy the Ortons book, Seven at Sea, And pictures of the Orton family are all over at Extraordinary Moms Podcast and linked over there as well on the website. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope everyone has a fantastic week. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.